So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about why we're celebrating today. And actually, not a little, but we're going to talk a lot about that. And but before I do that, I just want to say thank you to the worship team for leading us, and thank you for um, just being here bright and early with us. So if you'll open your Bibles, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to do much like last week to look at all four accounts. So buckle in. Um, the brunch will be delicious afterwards. But we're going to start in Matthew 27. And I want us to see something that God has revealed through His Word for us. And I want you guys to also come with an open heart. Today we're, we're going to look at bits and pieces once again, and so as you open up to Matthew 27, we're going to start, we're going to start in verse 35. And verse 35 picks up the crucifixion. So they're nailing Jesus to the cross, and it says, After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. Now I think that's interesting because this week as I was prepping for this, and as I was just asking God, what do you want me to pull out? I find myself often saying, okay, he's nailed to the cross. And we often have this picture of he's nailed to the cross, and he's just kind of left there until he dies. And we know that the soldiers gambled, or they wanted his clothes, but there's a piece in there that I feel we often miss. And it says that they sat there, that they sat at the foot of the cross. You see, it hit me because these guys were sitting there at the foot of a cross, not knowing who that really was up there. In the Christian faith, we often say, come to the foot of the cross and lay your burdens down. But what are these guys doing? They're at the foot of the cross going, I want that. I want this. And I find myself often going to the foot of the cross and sitting. And then, you know, we leave our, our troubles there, but I'm going to borrow a stool real quick. I hope not on camera sight. But as we sit, we say, okay, I'm going to lay my burdens down, and what happens? We often don't actually lay them down, but we kind of do one of these things, like, oh, I'm going to lay it down. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me. All right. And we take it with us. And these soldiers, as they were sitting there at the foot of the cross, they didn't know what happened. And they were casual about the foot of the cross. I want you to think today, are you too casual at the foot of that cross? You see, today is a day that Christ rose from the dead, and it's for some people like, well, why are you talking about his crucifixion? Well, we're getting to the later part, okay? We're going to get there, promise. But they had no idea. Look at, with me at verse 54. It says, The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the, earth, by the earthquake and all that happened. They said, This man truly was the Son of God. Now the earthquake is after Jesus has released His Spirit. So He's dead and this earthquake happens. Shakes the whole earth, both literally and figuratively, because when he dies, he conquers everything. 
So not only did he literally have an earthquake that shook the earth, but for all of eternity, this man named Jesus would shake things up in our culture and in our world. And it was at that moment that an officer said, surely this was the Son of God. Surely this was the Son of God. You see, they finally saw the power that Jesus had. They were... Their eyes were open to who he was. They saw the power of the cross. And I ask you today, how do you in your life need to see the power of the cross? What is it that your eyes need to be open to? What, is, what are your eyes guarded against? What sin in your life? The guards, they saw it and they, man, they were scared and worried about what would happen to them. And they just hung and killed Jesus. Flip over with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we pick it up here. And we miss a couple days in there, but... The resurrection. Okay, so Jesus is in the tomb and he's coming back again. And I want us to look at verses 11 through 15. So Jesus has rose from the dead, he's out of the tomb, and then the guards are getting questioned. And it says this, the report of the guard, as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, We'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and some still tell it today. So the guards were paid off to lie about what had really happened. The guards were told, tell them this story because we can't have the real story be the truth. Because once that truth gets out, what's going to happen? People are going to go crazy about this guy who rose from the dead, who people called Yeshua, who people called the Messiah, and then things will start to click and make sense for people. So we've got to bribe you to make you lie. Now the Jews always didn't like him. There are some Jews that looked at Jesus and were like, man, you're, you're going against kind of what we do. And I think it's interesting that in there, in the last sentence of that verse, it says, their stories read widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. What story are you still telling yourself today that's a lie from yesterday? What are you living in that the enemy wants you to live in that Christ has defeated on that cross? We all tell ourselves lies each day. What's yours? Fast forward me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we're going to look at the first couple verses here. And it says this, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Solomon went out to purchase burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, 
They went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw how the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they, emptied the, when they entered into the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Imagine that image. You're walking expecting this Big stone to be in front, and you're like, who's going to roll it away? Like, Russell, are you strong enough? How about Russell and Brian? Let's throw Jake in there. Mark, maybe, just maybe, we can. But it's not until Paul Abens comes that we'll actually be able to do it, right? So we see this happening, and they're sitting there going, who's going to roll it away? And I imagine as they walk up, they're like, whoa, what happened? And they walk in, and they see this figure dressed in white. Imagine that image, that picture of going, it's happened. And then being told, he's not here. He is risen. And the power in that statement, he is risen. See, church, the enemy doesn't want us to claim he is risen. The world doesn't want us to claim he is risen because if we do... That means that Jesus was not just a prophet, not just a man who lived a good life, but it means that He is the Lord. It means that He is God. It means that He is above all. And the enemy trembles because he knows the power in that statement of He is risen. They looked for Him, and I think it's interesting that He says to go and to tell His disciples But Mark pulls out a name. He says, Peter, go and tell Peter. Now I find that interesting because I look back and I see all that Peter did. And sometimes I feel like I can relate to Peter with putting my foot in my mouth. Oh God, I won't do that. I won't ever say those things. Or, oh God, I won't ever get mad at my children. Any parent that says that, well... Any, par- any people that aren't in the room that aren't parents, well, don't ever say that. Because um, God will show you something. But he says, go tell Peter. And I find that interesting because in a minute here we're going to look at something that Peter did. They called Peter out by name since they knew that's what Peter needed. Peter needed that restoring power of Christ. And I ask you, how is Christ calling you by name? What do you need to be restored in your life? How is God calling out to you? Flip over to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is almost one of my favorite verses that we'll cover today, or chapters that we'll cover today. Um, But Luke 24, verses 13 
and four, oh, sorry, 13 through 34. They tell us a story about Jesus walking with these two followers along this road. And in verse 16, verse 16 it says, But God kept them from recognizing him. So these guys are walking with Jesus on this road. And Jesus just casually happens to be like, Hey, yo, what's up, guys? How you doing? And they're like, Oh, good. Like, he's like, Why are you guys talking about what you kind of lonely? Like, what's going on in your lives? Like, and like, man, you gotta be the only person that I've heard. He's like, Whoa, what happened? Like, you know, I can just see Jesus being like, What happened? Enlighten me. Meanwhile, he's what they're talking about. But it says in verse 16 that God had, if you will, blinded them. He had blinded them. So as they're walking and talking with Jesus, they're on the road to Emmaus, which is actually a seven-mile journey from where they came from. Now, we don't know how long or the actual mountain that they were walking with Jesus, but we do know that it was quite some time. Now, when Jesus, as they're walking... They were nearing Emmaus, verse 28, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he, were going, he was going to keep going. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it is late. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. Imagine me and those guys walking with Jesus, having no idea who he is. And then when he does this simple act of giving thanks for the bread, and he gives it to them, everything clicks. And then, boom, he's gone. Like, come on, man! Really, Jesus? You had to disappear? Like, you couldn't just tell me who I was walking with? Because I imagine they had some questions, right? What was it like to come back? Was it like some thing that we see in the movies of like, in your back? Like, what was it like? That was my movie thing, Jake. I saw you like that. But, Russell, you can pat on that dance move later. But what was it like, Jesus? And they didn't have any time to question him. Instead, he, he's vanished. He's gone. How today do you need to recognize Jesus? What in your life do you need to see him in? How can you recognize Jesus in your life? See, today we're recognizing Jesus rose from the grave and we're recognizing that he died for all of our sins. But for you, who is Jesus? Is he just some guy you read about in the Bible? Is he some guy that you show up and you hear about in church? Or is he a friend who you're walking on this journey and this road with? Who is Jesus in your life? Flip over with me to what has become one of my favorite chapters, if you will, in the Bible. And that's John chapter 21. This is after... The resurrection. Jesus appeared to all the disciples. 
And then he appeared to Thomas, and we see that Thomas says, I won't believe it unless I put my fingers in the holes in, my, in your hands and in your side. So Jesus has appeared to them, and then he's gone again. We're going to pick it up here in a little bit, but it says that, so they were in a boat. Verse 3, Simon Peter said, let's go fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows. So casual he is. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. They said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Last night, my family, we watched a movie, and in this, they show this, this story in this picture. And I've never really put it together, but when the fish were in the net, I'm guessing that the boat kind of tilted a little bit when they tried to haul it in. Because there's so many fish, and the weight of those fish. I mean, we're not talking like Twin Lakes fish here. I think we're talking deep sea fishing. I don't know fish, but fish. Salmon, bass, those aren't deep sea, but yeah. Talking some big fish here. So what happens? They couldn't catch it because there's so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped it for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. So now, Peter, go and tell Peter as well. Needed that restoring power to know that Christ still loves him and what happens. When he hears that this is the Lord, when he sees it, he recklessly jumps into the water and chases after God, chases after Jesus. He left everything and everyone to go get Jesus. He didn't care he was tired because he's been up all night fishing. He didn't care that he was probably wore out. He didn't care that, imagine mentally what that could have meant. Like, man, Jesus, I saw him die on that cross. I saw him rise from the grave. Then he appeared to me. And now what? Mentally, he was probably exhausted as well. But it didn't matter. And the moment... In a split moment, he jumped over that boat. Do you chase after God with that same abandonment? To leave everything and follow him no matter what it costs you? Or are we too comfortable like those soldiers at the foot of the cross? You see, church today is about the resurrection. It's about what Jesus did in our lives and for us. And in my life, I can find myself too comfortable with that. Yeah, it's 29 Easter's, Jesus rose. 
We take it so casually, but like, church, he rose from the dead to free you of everything the enemy throws at you. He didn't just stay there, he rose for you. Personally, knowing your name, he decided to come out of that grave to redeem you. And are you like Peter? Are you like those soldiers? Do you jump out of that boat and follow him? Or do you sit at the foot of the cross and go, yeah, that's nice. Church, I think we've gotten too casual. I think we've gotten too casual with our faith. We don't take it as serious as what we should. And it breaks my heart. I'm there too sometimes. We're not perfect as pastors. We never will be. But I ask you in this next year to follow Jesus as Peter did. To jump over that boat and to sit and to meet with him. I'm going to end here so worship team, if you want to come back up. The disciples came to the shore and what happened? They had breakfast waiting for them. As they sat there, Jesus had fish ready on the fire, and he was waiting for them with open arms, saying, Come and eat with me. Thursday, they sat and ate with him as well at the Last Supper. And now here they are, eating with him once again, and getting filled up not only with food, but also, I imagine, with hope. And today, I want us to leave this church with hope. John ends his book with a statement that has just taken me by storm lately. And in verse 25 of John chapter 1, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Church, we have a small glimpse, like I preached last week, a small glimpse of what Jesus did. We all have a testimony in this room of what Jesus has done in our lives. We all have a testimony in our room of what Jesus is doing even now. And we don't have to wait. See, in a moment here, after the worship team is done, we're going to eat breakfast. And I encourage you, as a church, to glorify God by telling your table or telling people around you about what He's done in your life. Why He rose from the dead for you. that's important that's important so let's no longer look at just Jesus as the small portion in the Bible that we read about but let's look at him as the big God that not even the whole world could contain the books that could be written about him that's a pretty big God if you ask me that's a pretty big guy in Jesus so let's celebrate that today And as we go to worship, I ask you to worship with your heart set upon Christ. Recklessly abandoned like Peter to where nothing else matters, the people around you don't matter, whoever's watching on the live stream doesn't matter. If you're in your living room on the live stream, do it in your living room. If you're in an apartment building, apologize to your neighbors later. But worship God because Jesus rose from the dead for you.